Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Today, I'd like to welcome Ramon Gabrieloff Parrish to the podcast. Ramon is an adjunct instructor in the Environmental Studies Department. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. Glad awesome. to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you. Would you like to introduce yourself a bit further? Sure. So, Ramon, um, I am a pretty much lifelong resident of Colorado. Nice. I teach in the environmental studies and the Naropa Corps. Mm-hmm. And hmm, what else? Also, some of my outside of Naropa uh, interest and work. I work with an organization called Golden Bridge mm-hmm. in Boulder, Colorado, and they do international youth based rites of passage and leadership camps in the summer. Mm, nice. And um, I've learned and am studying a modality that is the uh, brainchild of um, a teacher here, Melissa Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Soma Source. Oh. Um, and so I think that was kind of my first introduction in a way or like deep teaching about mindfulness and embodiment. Um, and also the whole notion of a rite of passage and uh, life cycles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I also work with a budding rites of passage networking organization that actually grew in part out of Golden Bridge called Youth Passageways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's that. And, you know, uh, I'm a dad and mm. husband and yeah. You're full time, all yeah, the time. Yeah, all the time. Awesome. Well, we're really happy to have you today. And uh, what are we going to be talking about? You know, that kind of that, that's, that's kind of varies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it'll be in part just what comes up spontaneously. But I guess part of what I'd like to talk about, some of the areas and subjects that I teach at Naropa and also just some of the, actually some of the challenges that I mm. encounter with working with students. Yeah. Uh, I kind of freestyle yeah. uh, in <laughs> class and I kind of... Probably going to be doing some of that here, awesome. um, and honestly, I think that's a big part of what we're trying to teach here. Yeah, is you know how do you study, how do you integrate what you're studying with what you already know, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the assumptions of uh, Naropa's approach to contemplative education is that people already know things. Yeah, people already have their own intelligence. Yeah, and really what they're doing is is they they come here to cultivate their intelligence more by having contact with one another Mm -hmm. other students by having contact with instructors and professors uh, having contact with staff having contact with resources and then having contact with these wisdom traditions or these academic traditions yes and so it's like the the real learning and the transformation takes place in the contact not in the inputting of knowledge or information into the mind of the student by the faculty or by the school Mm -hmm. yeah the integration yeah so yeah some of what i teach here i'll start with the core classes okay the core classes are classes that all students have to take coming in and i also work with first-time 
first year students in particular, so students coming straight out of high school or maybe students who've taken a gap year or maybe students that took many years off, but it's still their first time in college. Yeah. Uh, but generally the age group is, you know, late teens, early 20s. And I think I've started to notice over the years and, and even actually looking back at my own time as an undergraduate student that there is a particular set of needs that mm. arrive, I think, at that point in life. And there's actually, I think, a particular opportunity at that point in life. Yeah. Um, what do you think those needs are? Well, you know, one of the needs is like you're stepping out of your home for your first time mm-hmm. and you've got to learn how to take care of your, you know, basic material needs in the adult world. Yeah. You know, and so some of the the class actually focuses on like just helping students orient and develop good study habits. Mm. There's a one-on-one check-in that we do with students called the journey guide, which helps them, you know, just sort of orient to the school, like accessing school resources, you know, looking at their living situation, Mm -hmm. reflecting on their classes. And so it's sort of in addition to advising. Yeah. Yeah. And some guidance. Some guidance. And it also gives them some practice in having one on one contact with their professors and their instructors, which universities all over find yeah. is is actually part of uh what helps students build success is just that ability to like have that contact. Mm-hmm. And then actually I think that's part of the adult becoming process mm. is to be able to just directly speak to people that you perceive as being in authority. Yeah. Right? Because think about it. I mean, the whole society, we've been schooled from age four to age five to, you know, age 18, age 19. Mm-hmm. And, and there's oftentimes this gap between the teacher and the student. And the part of that yeah. journey guide thing is to just like connect across that gap, stand yeah. alone. Like mentor almost. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Very cool. So, yeah, so there's that, um, that need to, to be met by mm-hmm. somebody to be witnessed by somebody, to be seen in like your curiosity and in your passions and even in your troubles to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Yeah. And then also I think that there's a need at that time in life to actually go to dive and go deep, mm-hmm. you know, and to actually even be somewhat withdrawn from the world mm. and to like go into the interior person and really ask like the you know kind of basic and profound questions that we all have in life you know yeah not many questions academia likes to go into i guess talk about the student's journey within yeah i think that there is this idea that higher education you know you're going to be exposed to these disciplines that are Mm -hmm. of you know great age and you know will give you a certain amount of societal power and that's important yeah but I think it's a kind of known tacit assumption that we have about mm-hmm. college that you go to college to discover who you are. Yeah. You go to university to discover who you are. Mm. And so we front load that at Naropa. Mm-hmm. We front load that. You're not just studying a subject matter. You're studying the self. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're studying relationship. And then by, through that study of self and relationship and we, you know, layer practices and this is that that first class in contemplative theory that core class by starting to layer in like self-reflective and contemplative mm. practices it could be sitting meditation it could be movement and dance based it could be arts and creative based right it, and, and 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 even looking at scholarship itself as a way to inspect mm. the contents of your own mind yeah 
you know, we set students up with those skills and their in their entry into Naropa so that as they go through Naropa, they can continue to use and cultivate mm -hmm. those skills. And so they're not only looking outward, they're looking inward the whole time. Yeah. 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 And I've been on the Naropa campus for about eight years now. Mm -hmm. I was a student here a while back in uh, 2010 and I came as a later student. It's really interesting to see new students come in and see their journey from start to finish and totally. just see the development happen through the contemplative process. Totally. It's such a beautiful thing. And sometimes it's, it's not beautiful, but what's beautiful is that it's allowed to not be beautiful. Right. The beauty is the totality of it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, that and 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 I mean you it gets messy at certain points mm -hmm. and and college is a container that we have to hold space in a way for that process to get yes, messy definitely and if young people don't do it in college and I'm not saying it's the only path I'm not even saying it's the best one but yeah. this is what where we're at yeah if they don't have that then oftentimes they'll try to create those situations themselves and mm -hmm. sometimes that's really successful and sometimes that looks like you know you taking a five to seven year detour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I did. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Sure. And those <laughs> detours can be instructive mm -hmm. if you have a place to unpack them. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So so there's that like need, I think, in your late teens to get to the core, in your early 20s, the core of mm -hmm. life and have like raw experiences of life. Yeah. Right? And to sort of be able to drop off the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And to also have a cohort of communities, so also other students who are having the same experience, the same process, that is, it seems really crucial in, in the development of oneself to have somebody sitting next to you who has like-minded ideas and thoughts, or maybe not, yeah. but is willing to just be supportive and witness the process. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm -hmm. And then that that gets me to another class that I um, I teach here that we teach here, which is the intro diversity seminar. Yeah. Right. You were speaking about having like minded ideas or maybe not. Mm -hmm. Right. So the other thing that that happens at the university level is you move out of your town, you move out of your high school and you come across people from ideally from all different backgrounds, from different yeah. parts of the nation, from different parts of the world, mm -hmm. people with very different life experiences. Yeah. And that that meeting of minds and that meeting of difference, like that's a crucial stimulus to becoming an adult. Mm -hmm. Yes. Part of what we're, we're studying the diversity seminars, like we're laying the foundation for critical theory, mm -hmm. right? Critical theory is like, you know, it's, it's a branch of academia where you're looking at how power relationships operate in a particular mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm how you can examine and dissect power relationships in a particular society mm -hmm. and how you can use that dissection process and that identification process to actually equalize or help circulate power in society, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at your, your kind of standard demographic or sociological markers. You're looking at race, you're looking at gender, mm -hmm. you're looking at social class, you're looking at sexuality, yeah. you know, you're looking at nationality. Yeah, language. location too, where you're located at. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like and that's that's looking at all these different sort of mm -hmm. demographic areas yeah. is what helps you to discern your own social location. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And like the particular challenges 
and benefits or the privileges and the these different forms of repression that you encounter mm-hmm. based on that social location. Yeah. It also seems like there's a set of tools in which we are given while we are developing to learn how to process things a little bit more skillfully as mm-hmm. well, you know, because we're diving into who we are, how we receive education, how we filter it. And then we're also learning how to filter this thing we call ego, these things we call feelings, emotions, experiences we're having. So we're, we're learning how to filter the education, and we're also learning how to filter the education we are developing within ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. And, and, and so ideally, you start off with the contemplative theory, mm-hmm. and you get some exposure and some grounding in the contemplative theory and the contemplative practice. And, and the practice is really about like these different techniques of like self-watchfulness, Yeah, right? And the particular approaches that I've, I've been schooled in are more body-based. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that body-based approach is like, it's very concrete, right? It's like, I'm in a classroom with somebody, we start having a conversation about race, we start looking into police shootings, Yeah. All right? Or even let's just be current. You know, somebody just walked into uh, a church, was in Texas, yeah, and just killed 23 people. Yeah. Okay, and we say that, and we bring this stuff up in class because these are current events, mm-hmm. and and you might you your heart might start racing. Yeah. Right. Like mine right now. Totally. Mm-hmm. Your throat might constrict. Mm-hmm. You might start sweating. Yeah. Okay. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think everyone can relate to these kind of like, you hear certain stuff and it's difficult and you feel yeah. nervous. Yeah. So the mindfulness is like, be aware of that. Mm-hmm. See that happening. Mm-hmm. Know that, wow, this is challenging for me. Instead of just going straight into activation or going straight into mm-hmm. being frozen, yeah. you're like, I'm challenged by this, mm-hmm. this topic. I'm challenged to be sitting in this room with these people yeah. when I've had this experience and they haven't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that grounding in, in, in body-based awareness, body-based mindfulness, embodiment, mm. you know, then when we start dealing with these, these difficult and challenging and, and eventually rewarding, you know, investigations into social identity and social location, you already have that kind of nervous system self-knowledge or some of that nervous system self-knowledge that helps you to encounter some of these teachings and questions that are to help you develop that social and sociological self-knowledge. Yeah. And, and that's where I find one of the biggest challenges. That's like that, the diversity seminar at Naropa, I think is one of the most challenging classes for students, mm-hmm. you know, because so many of our students come in here with, I, I think the, in Buddhist traditions, I think they refer to it as big mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you come in with the sky view of things. Okay. You come in seeing the connectivity between things, between life. And this is another thing that we try to cultivate in the contemplative seminar, open-heartedness, mm-hmm. right? Naropa's got this whole theory of warriorship. Yeah. That like active, intelligent, engagement in the world yeah. is based off of open-heartedness. What, what would you say open-heartedness is? If, speak, speaking to someone who's never experienced what that means, mm-hmm. like when you say, I have an open heart, what does that mean to someone mm-hmm. or to you? I think it means that 
when you encounter anything, and this is ideal, right? This okay. is developmental. Yeah. When you encounter anything, any kind of experience, you don't turn away from it. Mm. And you let your experience touch you. Yeah. Right? So if you see somebody, you're driving, you're on the highway and you, you're, you're, you're stopped at an intersection and you see people standing out on the street with mm -hmm. signs, you know, needing help. Yeah. You take that in, whether you give or not. You take it in. Mm -hmm. I mean, and in a way, it's like you almost let it hurt you. And, and, and part of the idea is that actually the world kind of hurts mm -hmm. and it hurts good. Mm. And, and that hurting good is where the beauty is. Yeah. And then that mm. wakes you up to it. It, autom it automatically, if you let the world touch you, mm. you have an impulse to reach back into the world. Yeah. You just made me think about by feeling the hurt of others by ex experiencing it, it almost grows your heart more. So you're able to love deeper because you can feel others hurt. You're not contained to your own. Like, oh, that that doesn't deal with me. I'm not going to feel that. Yeah. But you're able to, I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my soul. And it, it kind of develops this love, this thickerness of. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Cause feel be that. Because like you said, it's like, the, the the heart that allows itself to be touched mm -hmm. takes things on. Yes. And then it becomes heavy hearted. Mm. But then it's like you were to train for a long distance run with weights around your ankles. Yeah. You get stronger. Mm -hmm. And then when you take the weights off, actually you can jump. You're just flying. Yeah. So it's like the mm. heavy heartedness becomes the basis for lightheartedness. Yeah. And then the basis and, and this is this is one of the things in Naropa's mission is we talk about discipline and delight mm -hmm. so you want to cultivate that quality of like that softness and that being able to receive mm. actually makes you stronger yeah. and that strength like creates a kind of quickness and like an ease and uh and then the littlest things mm. the littlest things that you see in the world can be like a cause for for joy and for celebration Mm -hmm. So like that's the basis in a way that we're trying to cultivate for activism, if you want to say that, or like yeah. citizenship. Yeah, is that the that engaged, that heart level engaged, willing to be in touch with experience, and it's something that grows over time. You can't mm. expect people to come in and be willing to like face all the pain and difficulty in the world or any surprise experience yeah. right away. It takes time. <laughs> yeah, it's not every day that you hear techniques to feel someone's pain yeah you were we're not being invited to feel others pain i don't think that's something we're taught with. no no you race you right know? past it yeah get like, out of that's there. not mine no no thank you I can't deal with that mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you are, are unnecessarily like you can't extend yourself to such a degree that you lose your own footing yeah you have to be energetically sustainable to yourself right so but there there is a moment of allowing others feelings to come in and, and support and then by doing that by developing this open heart this love then you can be a beacon yeah so when you do come across something that does feel heavy-hearted yeah and might be emotionally harder to take on you can hold that space you're you're a container now you know yeah that's what it seems like a lot of development is coming to Totally. And yeah. and in a way, I think that's basically what it means to be an adult mm. is that you're a container. Nice. And other people 
will rely on you and put weight on you and you can hold yeah. things for other people. Yeah. And so I think more than more than the subject matter, yes, subject matter is important. Yes, yes discipline is important. Mm. But particularly at the undergraduate level, which is where I'm teaching, you're trying to help people make that transition between, and this is the traditional college student. I want to preface what yeah. I'm saying with that. But you want to help them make that transition between between youth to adulthood between yeah. being someone who's been held to being somebody who can hold, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and somebody who can witness with relative clarity mm. and then somebody who has the willingness, the stability, the self-recognition, mm. and then some basis of skill to step into life and offer something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some wise words right there. <laughs> working on it <laughs> it's beautiful yeah it, it sounds like there is a rite of passage through academia higher education discovering who you are development adulthood yeah there's there's so much transition it's if it's a very crucial moment in students lives to to go to college, to be exposed to not be at home sometimes to meet new people totally you know Totally. Very interesting. You ever hear of the work of Bill Plotkin? Mm -mm. Uh, he's another guy. He's in Durango, Colorado. He's also created this beautiful map of like different phases of human development in yep. industrialized societies, I should preface, because I think it varies. Mm -hmm. But and, and one of the things he talks about is, and he doesn't necessarily connect age and life stage, but he talks about this stage of post-adolescence. He's like, this is the critical stage in our society right now. And that a lot of people don't make it through that stage mm. psychologically. And they get stuck there and they loop there. Ooh. And they stay in a, in a way of being that is so externally focused and referenced. How do I look? Mm. How do I look? Do I look okay? Yeah. That they never root down into their inner self and then through their inner self into nature. Yeah. And then they can't really bring up water. Mm. And then therefore they don't really, not only, because not only do you hold space for others, but then you become a feeder of others. Mm -hmm. And maybe even eventually food. Yeah. And a lot of people, it's like, it's the heart, man. It's like if you can't get into that wetness of the heart mm -hmm. and you don't know your way around in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you're what you can offer as a human being is like <clears throat> diminished. Yeah. Contemplative education is like a map to the inner self. Yeah. And, and you're, you're bringing people into contact with these maps of the inner self. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, Naropa's Buddhist based, but there's multiple traditions that are represented here. Definitely. And yes. so by having this contact with these different maps of the inner self mm -hmm. and even maps of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Right. Because I also teach in the environmental studies department, mm -hmm. particularly with the justice focus, food justice, environmental justice. Yeah. These are these large scale issues and problems that we are all navigating in the world. Mm -hmm. So you show the inner map and then you show the outer. Then it's like, what sparks for you? Mm. Is food justice, you know, where it's at for you? Yeah. Is it Tai Chi? Yeah. You know, is it early childhood development? Like mm -hmm. what thing that's happening on the outside that you contact through discipline sparks what's alive for you on the inside yeah and if you can start to match those two then you got a lot of flowing energy to give to situations 
Oh yeah. Mm. So much, so much to be had here. <laughs> we got to make the most of it. So, is there anything else you'd like to speak about? So, I was trying to make this point about big mind, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think this is one of the trickiest places I come to with students. On the one hand, we are trying to work with this idea, yeah, that uh, of big mind and of big heart or open heart, mm-hmm. and and to recognize the real validity of everyone's experience. And on the other hand, when you start learning, you know, about social location, when you start learning about uh, privileged identities, when you start learning about oppressed identities, what you see is that we actually are not all equal. Mm-hmm. We are not all on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. Some of us are exposed to more danger yeah. environmentally, socially. Mm-hmm. Some of us have a less ready access to forms of social power. Mm-hmm. Some of us are less represented in media. Some of us are less represented in mythology. Mm -hmm. Some of us are told that our experiences are not important. Mm -hmm. They're not central to what this country is about. Mm -hmm. And I think we see it real strong right now. It's real strong right now, that struggle that we've had in the United States, and I'm just restricting my speech to the United States. It's real strong right now. Who are we? Mm -hmm. Who is an American? Okay, so on the one hand, we're we're looking at you starting from your own heart, emotional, mental, bodily experience. Mm-hmm. Like you have worth. Yeah. Period. Definitely. And on the other hand, there are these differences in the way that that plays out socially. Mm-hmm. Naropa's founder brought this language of basic goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that the world is sensible. Yeah. And your existence in the world is sound mm-hmm. that you are well placed and so we have that and then we also have here's structural inequality mm-hmm. and it shuffles people based off of appearance based off culture based off language mm-hmm. and so there's this rub there yeah of like you're telling us on the one hand that our existence is is wholesome Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you're telling us that we're in all these differentiated positions. So students come into this place where they're like really bonding. And then they come into this place and they're looking around. They're like, oh, wait a minute. You're from that family. Oh, wait a minute. You're that skin color. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. That's your gender expression. Yeah. Like we have these differences mm-hmm. and they're not immediately, uh, you can't immediately just build a bridge across and say everything is all good. Yeah. And even coming out of here, we, we might be going back to radically different life experiences and you might have a golden road and I might have to walk in the valley. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you reconcile that tension of knowing that at the core, everybody mm-hmm. is a human being. And at the same time, some people are going to get the short end of the stick and some people are going to get a silver spoon. Yeah. And then how, knowing that, how do we set to work from our particular places, in our particular social locations, mm-hmm. in our particular family, cultural, racial, uh, class environments to actually chop down those privileges mm-hmm. and s- dist- redistribute them Yeah, to protect those people who are vulnerable or to protect ourselves if we are those people who are vulnerable? Like, how do we become agents of creating a just society? Mm. And, I, and, and, it, and it's a struggle for a lot of students here. 
And I do feel like there's a lot of allies at Naropa. Mm-hmm. When, when you come here, you get to meet a lot of allies. You get to meet a lot of people who may not be in the same valley mm-hmm. or road that you're on, mm-hmm. but they're developing their open heart and they're holding space. They're holding a container for you and mm-hmm. they're, they're here for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is this allyness that we develop here. And I feel like that's, that's a good point and that's a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, if if we can't recognize one another, then mm. forget it. Seriously, yeah. And and actually, if you feel yourself, we can recognize one another almost instantly. Yeah, I recognize you. Totally. Awesome. Likewise. <laughs> so I'd like to say thank you to Ramon Gabriel Off Parish. He is an adjunct instructor in the Environmental Studies Department. And thanks for speaking with us today. I actually got promoted to instructor. Hey, I'm, I'm all right. <clears throat> He's the instructor of the Environmental Studies Department. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Take care. On behalf of the Naropa community, thank you for listening to Mindful You, the official podcast of Naropa University. Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.